All right, let's open our Bibles tonight to Luke chapter number 8, if you would please. Luke chapter number 8. I hope that you all have had a wonderful week so far. I know Allison certainly enjoyed the Ladies Fellowship yesterday. And I'm looking forward to the Pumpkin Pie Fellowship this coming Sunday. Now, I don't know about you. I like cake. I'm not saying I hate cake. But I am a pie guy all day long. Uh, you know, Brother French made mention of, you know, bring in pastor a key lime pie. Well, you can go ahead and throw in a mixed berry pie while you're at it. And uh, nothing better than that, uh, perhaps an apple pie, and you put a little bit of ice cream on top of that. I'll take that all day, every day. I think when you get to heaven, there will only be pie, no cake. That's just my opinion. And uh, certainly be in prayer for pastor as he is traveling with the teenagers um, of course, as you know, they're out uh, for their tournament, and uh, they're going to be having their tournament starting tomorrow night. I was picking on them a little bit. You're going to have to forgive me. I just asked them, I said, how in the world are you going to be able to compete with people your own age when you can't compete with people older than you? Uh, and, uh, you know, because they, they lost at the um, alumni game. Just want to remind you of that. And so, uh, but uh, you pray for them. I hope that they will have a great time. Uh, Lord willing, I'll, I'll be headed out either later tonight or tomorrow morning, and I'll head out uh, to be out with them. And, uh, but we're certainly excited about what the Lord is doing, and uh, we are excited to be a part of this church. Alice and I will say a little bit more about that in a few moments. Uh, but we're excited about the youth. You've probably seen uh, much uh, of uh, some of the young people coming around. They've been doing this. And if you don't know what this is, I just want to explain to you what this story is for a moment. It is the story of the sizzling steak. And uh, some of you have heard this story, but for those that have not, I will include you in on this story. Uh, we had the conference not too long ago, and it was Wednesday night of the conference. And uh, after, of course, the services and the fellowship meal, I was headed back to my mother-in-law's house. And uh, depending on traffic and the time of the day, it's about 30 to 40 minutes from here to her house. And so uh, after the fellowship, I headed back to her house, and I got there probably around 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning, okay? And the Lord is my witness. I walk in the house. It's quiet. It's 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning. I walk in the house, and I see her cat in the living room. Her cat's name is Bilbo, and so I walk in, and I, I pet the cat, and I get up, and I look over into the kitchen, and Lord as my witness, nobody is in the kitchen, but in the kitchen on the stove is a steak, in the pan, and it, the, the stove is on, the fire is hitting, the, you can hear the steak sizzling. Nobody else there except me and Bilbo. I thought, you know, that's a little weird. Who am I to judge? I figured it was my brother-in-law that was just trying to cook some. Who am I to stand in between a man and his steak? So I decided that I was going to go change and get ready for bed and things of nature. So I go do that, and I decide to uh, come get a drink before going to bed, just a little nightcap. That's a joke. And, uh, and so walk back into the kitchen, see Bilbo. Nobody else is still in the kitchen, and yet there is the steak on the pan sizzling. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Why would you just leave uh, the stove on, fire going? Again, who am I to get between a man and his steak? So I figured my brother-in-law fell asleep. So I decided to go check on my brother-in-law because if he's asleep, I'm going to have that steak. Do you understand what I mean? So I go to my brother-in-law's room. His door is open. I kind of peek in, say his name, no response. So I decided to go into his room. He ain't in his room. That's a little weird. And uh, the bathroom next to his room, doors open, lights are off. He's not in there. Okay, I figured he's outside on the patio. Not a problem. I'm going to go check on him. 
So I decide to walk back uh, towards the patio. Now I'm in the living room. Again, there's Bilbo. Look over. Steak sizzling on the pan. Whatever. Go to the patio. My brother-in-law is not outside. I'm like, what in the world is going on here? And then what a married man never says, I decide to go look for my mother-in-law. <laughs> I got to know what's going on right now. And, uh, and so my mother-in-law's room is right next to the kitchen. So her door is open, lights are on, you can see the bed. She's not sleeping. So, uh, of course, I call her mom. I say, Mom, are you in there? No response. Get closer to the door, look around the room. Nobody's in there. Off to the side, you can't see in the bathroom, but you can tell where her bathroom's at. Doors open, lights off, nobody's in there. I'm, I'm perplexed at this point. It's, I want to remind you, it's 1230 at night, 1 a.m. in the morning, right? I walk back out into the living room. I'm looking at this cat, and I look over, there's a steak sizzling on the stove. So many things run through your mind in that moment. My first thought was somebody's been kidnapped. Somebody's been killed. So I do a quick inventory. Nobody broke in. There's no, there's no bleach on the floor. So then my mind goes to Something happened to my brother-in-law. My, my mother-in-law must have taken my brother-in-law to the hospital. I was so worried. You would think that she would call and tell me, but you don't think about those things in those moments. So I figured, you know, I was pretty sure that I saw her car, though, in the garage. So I decided to go back to the garage just to check. I opened the garage. My mother-in-law's car is in the garage. Walked back to the living room to see Bilbo and see the steak. And then just that thought comes to your mind. Sometime between the church service and the fellowship meal, all the way to the home, the rapture took place. <laughs> I mean, wh what other explanation is there? It's 1 o'clock in the morning, there's a steak on the stove. What kind of person leaves a good steak on the stove and just walks away? In that moment, I did what any man does. I picked up my phone and I began to call my wife because I wanted to know one thing. Did she stay or did she go? <laughs> That's what I wanted to know. And the moment I began to call my wife, my mother-in-law and my brother-in-law walk through the front door. So I said, young lady, do you know what time it is? Where have you been? And they said, and I quote, we went to go check the mail. Who checks their mail at 12.30, 1 o'clock at night? And... Um, and so you pray for me. I've, I've had a lot of trauma in my life since that experience, a lot of nightmares waking up. And uh, so you pray for me about that. Uh, but my wife and I, we're certainly excited to be a part of this ministry. And um, we're looking forward to what the Lord will do. Um, uh, it was an unexpected thing. Um, Pastor and I, we spoke several months ago. And uh, my wife and I, we were... Uh, already in a transition when it came to our own personal ministries, and we were already in the process of God moving us, and it just so happened throughout all of that, God orchestrated uh, us to be able to come here. We're no strangers to this ministry. Of course, my wife grew up here. Uh, we went to college here, and I never would have thought, uh, if you were to go back 15, 16 years and ask me, would you ever think that she would, you would be a, a staff member of the church? No. Uh, if you would ask me a year ago, never would have thought in a million years. I mean, I still can't believe it, to be honest with you, and, uh, and so forth. But we're certainly excited. And uh, when, my, when my wife and I, we went to Ohio, we've been serving 
Nine years in March would have been 10 years at the Heritage Baptist Church in Mogador, Ohio. You say, where in the world is Mogador at? Well, it's 40 minutes south of Cleveland. Uh, it's in the Akron area. Some of you might know, of course, the Akron Baptist Temple. Great church of yesteryear under Dallas Billington Sr. And uh, when we went there, they had uh, no pianist. And uh, Allison, of course, uh, there was a complete overhaul of the music ministry. And when we left, they had two people that can play the piano. She's taught many people. When I became the assistant pastor there, they had no youth program. Uh, no youth program at all. And uh, for the last uh, nine, just, just shy of ten years, we've, uh, one of the ministries we had was, uh, was the youth director there. And we've seen many people grow up. Many people go off to Bible college and graduate. Many people married and have children. And, uh, and even when pastor told us, we would never have thought, we would have never thought we would be a part of the youth program here. That was, that was not uh, in the picture. And, uh, and so uh, we're looking forward to your children torturing us. If I want you to know I'm looking forward to torturing your children, uh, I, I, can't, you, 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 I can't replace Brother Stanley. Uh, Brother Stanley, uh, he can use a baseball bat and hit a ball better than I ever could. At the same token, I can use a baseball bat to beat your children. Uh, you know, as long I understand, as long as they don't come home with bruises, that's fine. I get it. And, uh, but we're, we're certainly excited and we're looking forward to that. Transition is a part of life. And uh, never thought we would be in this transition this season. Every individual, every family, every church goes through that. And tonight what I want to do is I want to I preach a message that helped my church family back home when they found out that, we're, as you can imagine, it was devastating to them. We, we can all relate to that, uh, that sense of, of happiness that the Lord is using somebody at the same time sadness. And I understand all of that. Uh, but I think as, as we look at the passage of Scripture tonight, I think there's some things that can help us as we look for the days, uh, months, and years ahead that will be a, a great help uh, for us as a church family. Luke chapter number 8, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 22, a very familiar passage of Scripture I'd like us to look at in a little different context tonight. Luke chapter number 8, and we'll begin reading in verse number 22. The Bible says this, Now it came to pass... On a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples and said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. Uh, but as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake. And they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. And they ceased. And there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wandered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and water, and they obey him. And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And uh, when he went forth to land, there met him out of a city a certain man which had devils long time. Those are probably your children, but that's not the point. And, uh, they, and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. Uh, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and break the bands, and was driven out of the devils into the wilderness. I want to drop down now to verse number 38. The Bible says, Now the man... Out of whom the devils were departed, besought him 
uh, that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to thine own house, and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way, and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. In the summer of 1945, just a uh, few months before the end of World War II, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt would address our nation uh, one final time. He would go on to say, as we move against the terrible scourge of war, as we go forward toward the great, greatest contribution that any generation of human beings can make in this world, the contribution of lasting peace, I ask you to keep up your faith. He said, I measure the sound, solid achievements that can be made at this time by the straight edge of your own confidence and resolve, and to you and to all Americans who dedicate themselves with us to the making of abiding peace, I say, the only limit to our realization of tomorrow will be our doubts of today. Let us move forward with strong and active faith. His final words, that which was once written in pencil, are now uh, carved in his memorial for all to see, and I would echo them again this evening. The only limit to our realization of tomorrow will be our doubts of today. Let us move forward with strong and active faith. No matter the news, bad or good, uh, no matter where we find ourselves, the mountain or the valley, no matter if the sea of life is calm or chaotic, may we be resolved tonight to move forward by faith. And that is exactly what I want to speak to you on this evening, moving forward by faith. In Luke chapter number 8, we uh, find Jesus and the disciples, they were uh, getting on a ship and they were launching forth to a country near Galilee. Of course, we know that Jesus always had a purpose and a plan for whatever he did. And aren't we thankful for that purpose and that plan? What was his purpose to come? To seek and to save that which was lost. Just as the Bible says, he had a reason to go to Samaria. You remember, I must needs go through Samaria and meet the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well to give her the gospel, to change her life, to see her city saved. Uh, it, so too, Jesus had a destination in mind when it comes to Luke chapter number 8. If we were to read earlier in this chapter, before they ever got on the boat, we would find Jesus teaching the disciples the parable of sowing the seed, illustrating the purpose of the church, the responsibility that we have as individual Christians to sow the seed of the gospel to a lost and dying world. I would have news for you tonight. The seed will not sow itself. It's going to take a soul, or dare we say tonight, it's going to take a soul winner. It will take someone who has initiative. It will take someone who has faith. Just as one has faith that the seed they sow will grow, so by faith must the Christian have faith to go. So many times we look at people and be like, well, there's no reason to go out knocking on doors. Don't you know men are waxing worse and worse? They don't want Jesus. Well, not with that attitude, they don't. But certainly we have to be willing to go by faith and to knock on doors and to preach the gospel. Not everybody will receive Jesus, but let me tell you, some people will. They'll receive him. The disciples are then given instructions to get on this boat. Jesus said, this is where we're going to go and this is how we're going to get there. Jesus did not tell them everything that they would encounter, but Jesus said, hey, this is the vision. This is where we need to go. And he encourages them to get on the boat and to launch out in the deep to set course. Understand the disciples did not know what they would encounter. 
Uh, I, I would imagine that if the disciples knew that there was a storm coming, we would, they would say, Jesus, don't you know we could delay this journey a little bit? Uh, we have a joke back home. There's an uh, individual we love him to death at our church, and uh, if it rains, he doesn't work. Uh, he's, he's, just, he's just one of those guys. So we always, we have this joke, it's always raining somewhere because he's never working. And so they under, we understand that they, they did not know the purpose behind why Jesus uh, wanted them to go and when he wanted them to go, not knowing anything that they would encounter. They simply chose to new, move forward by faith. Though Jesus did not leave them, nor would he forsake them, he never promised the sea of life would not be without struggle. Jesus never promised that life would be without storms and we could go around the room tonight. We won't for time's sake. We could go around the room tonight and talk about each and every storm that we've all encountered. But aren't we thankful for God's faithfulness through it all? Like the disciples, many Christians will make certain decisions by faith. They'll get on the boat. They'll get involved with church. They'll get involved in this ministry or that ministry. They'll launch out in the deep, but if they're not careful... It won't be the church. It won't be that ministry. It will be the storm that destroys them. But take note, not necessarily the storm itself, but the fear the storm will bring. Uncertainty. Doubt. Uh, what, what do we do now? Uh, this is not what we signed up for. Uh, that's probably what some people think when they got married. This is not what we signed up for. Uh, this is not what we imagined. We thought things were going to be different. What do you think? The Bible says God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. There's a lot of opinions going on out there. I'll not share with you uh, my opinions, but over the last few years, especially uh, politically and with the pandemic, there, there has been a lot of people that have used fear, specifically in the church realm, to keep people from being faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. But I would remind you, uh, God knew well before 2020 ever came, well before we find ourselves in 2022, God knew what we would encounter. But what did he tell us to do? He told us to move forward by faith. Don't misunderstand. Faith is not without fear, but our fear should not be without faith. In verse 23, the Bible says, As they sailed, he fell asleep, he being Jesus. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. When we live by faith, sometimes God will take us places that we don't understand. Why did this happen? Uh, why did we have to go through those circumstances? Though he has a purpose and plan for our life greater than we could ever imagine, greater uh, for our marriage, greater for our family, greater uh, for our church, sometimes in the waters of the unknown, we feel as though we are taking on water that our future, our family, and even our faith can be in jeopardy. But I want you to notice what they did, the disciples. I, I, I don't know. I've never been on a boat. We, uh, for our honeymoon, uh, many, many years ago, uh, my wife and I, we uh, got uh, on our cruise ship and we began to go and a fire, a small fire took place on the ship. And at that time, I really didn't know how to swim. So I was like, well, here I come, Lord. Uh, I, I, but I've never been on a boat that was uh, going through severe storms and taking on what I can't imagine what that would be like. But I don't think any of us in this room would be calm. 
I imagine if we thought our life was in danger and we were taking on water on a ship and you knew, I mean, I, I don't know, I'm just telling you, maybe you're a better Christian than I'd be, but I would be in panic mode. I would be, look, I would be like, we're, there, one life vest, 12 disciples. I know Jesus can walk on water. You understand what I mean? But I want you to think about it. Instead of talking amongst each other, instead of griping and complaining, instead of being frustrated, and instead of abandoning ship, instead of changing force, uh, uh, course, we don't find the disciples griping amongst each other, backstabbing. Uh, why would the Lord choose to do this and, and all of that? We don't find any of that. The Bible says in verse 24, And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. I love this, though fearful. They knew where to run. Uh, even with some of my contemporaries, I, I don't get it. I love them. I understand that. But uh, I, I fear so many times we run to the political answer and to the spiritual answer. Uh, I'll be the first to tell you that I believe you ought to vote biblically. I believe you ought to vote Christian values. I, I believe that is very clear, but politician ain't going to save our nation. It's not. Now, it might help our pocketbook some. Uh, might make gas prices a little easier. And, and for that, that would be good. You know, Lord, I, I can give more offerings if the, if the gas prices weren't the way they were. But the reality is Jesus is the answer. No, no, no politi no, nothing political is going to be the answer. I love it. They run. Where do they run? They run to Jesus. And can I tell you, in your uh, moments of frustration and moments of confusion, your moments of doubt, when your future seems unclear, we must not run towards bitterness. We must not run towards our own opinions, but we must run towards Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm frustrated with, with our country tonight. I don't know how in the world... I, listen, I'll tell you, maybe this is not a, po a popular thing to say. We know with... Uh, the con Everybody's confused today about everything. Everybody's trapped in somebody and everything like that. You understand what I mean? Now listen, I think it is wrong. It is perverted. You understand what I mean when I say this? But if, let's just say, Ryan wakes up tomorrow and decides he's in the wrong body... Now listen, is that perverted? It's absolutely perverted. Is it wrong? It's absolutely wrong. If Ryan wakes up tomorrow, a middle-aged man, okay, do what you want, Ryan. But that's not where we're at in our country. We're teaching five-year-olds. I mean, it's no longer a mother, it's a birth person. My four-year-old niece doesn't even... She thinks that she's a cat. <laughs> Why don't we go ahead and get her reassigned as a cat? Oh, that's crazy. You understand what I mean? We get frustrated of all of that. But we are to not run to the voting booth. I think you ought to vote. Maybe some of us need to run to Jesus. Whether it be a younger person, an older person, so many times we get ourselves in trouble and we run everywhere but to where we need to run. 
And can I say, in our moment of difficulty, don't run from Jesus, run to Jesus. Don't run from the pastor, run to the pastor. Don't run from church, run to church. Don't run from your Bible, run to your Bible. Don't run from your prayer closet, run to your prayer closet. That's where we need to run. I want you to notice, I want you to notice that he had a purpose and a plan of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I say that the journey that we're on is no surprise to God? God knows who's in the White House. But everything that is happening is getting closer and closer and closer to the Lord's return. He has a purpose and a plan. Every storm, every struggle, if I could just say it this way, and I don't mean to belittle any hurt, but it's all going according to schedule. Perhaps what God was trying to convey to his disciples, what we can learn from this and and what others can learn from our own journey is that if God can send us into the storm, don't you think he can see us through the storm? God knew they were going to encounter a storm because God's the one that sent them to the storm. But God can get them through the storm. Verse 26, I love it. And they arrived. And they arrived. As a church... If I could say it this way, if we're going to move forward by faith with the opportunities ahead, if we are going to move forward with the vision that God has laid upon our pastor's heart, if we're going to continue advancing the cause of Christ, if you want God to use you and you allow God to use you, I think there are three things that we're all going to have to decide to do. For those taking notes, number one, very simple, bottom shelf, but quality. Number one, you need to get... On the boat. You need to get. Let's switch it over to this, if you will. You need to get on the boat. You, you say that that is such a simple thing. How many uh, Christians do you know that they say they're going to get involved one day, but they, they aren't involved? You see, you need to get on the boat. This is a personal decision that you are going to have to make. Think about Joshua. He said, "As for me and my house." It didn't matter if anybody else was going to do it or not. Joshua and his family were going to be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice verse number 22, if you would. The Bible says, Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake, and they launch forth. I want you to notice that he did not say, I want you to go over. Now, there are times in the Bible that Jesus said, hey, I want you to go ahead of me. You remember when Peter walked on water, Jesus was on the mountain praying? There are times that Jesus will do that. But here we find that Jesus said, let us, let us go over. You see, what what do we learn from that? They had to be willing to follow. They had to be willing to get on the boat with the Lord Jesus. They had to be willing to go. They had to be willing to yield themselves to his spirit. Do you realize that God does not want you to fail? I think sometimes we think that God wants us to suffer. No, God does not want us to suffer. But there's something that God is trying to teach us and something that God will use through our life by allowing us to go through that storm. You know, God will not ask of you what he is not not willing to enable you to do. He will not put on you what he will not help you bear. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. His grace is sufficient for thee. You know, all that God asks of us is that we trust in him, that we trust in him. I'm afraid that so many of us, and I've made, mentioned, if you don't know how I feel, I think so many of us, we trust in our 
politics than we do God. And we got to be very careful about that. You see, if we want to move forward as a church, then by faith, you'll need to get on the boat. What do I mean by you need to get on the boat? Well, I'm talking about uh, this evening getting on the boat of participation. I'm talking about getting involved. I'm talking about being faithful to your church, not just being faithful to your church, but active in your church. I'm talking about more than tithe, but time. You investing uh, your time in the local New Testament church and being an example to others around you. I'm talking about, and you forgive me when I say this, I'm talking about getting off of Christian welfare and just benefiting from the church, but you giving back to your church. I'm talking not just about the boat of participation, but I'm talking about the boat of prayer. I'm talking about you getting alone with God. I thank God that we have a pastor that will pray for us. And thank God we have staff members that will pray for us. But I'm talking about you praying for your family. You praying for your marriage. You praying for your church and your nation. I'm talking about the kind of prayer that leads to action. Action that leads to prayer. But I'm not just talking about the boat of prayer. I'm talking about the boat of praise. Praising God for your salvation. Praising God through your song. Praising God through your soul winning. Praising God through your sanctification. I do not understand Christians who say that they are glorifying God with their sinful living. No, if you're going to praise God, you will live the sanctified life. You will live the holy life. You will live a life that brings honor and glory to him. How can we say that we praise God but then never be willing to share with others about the wonderful miracle of salvation? That we have received from the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm not just talking about those things. I'm talking about the boat of perseverance. When things get tough, keep on going. There are times in our life, we've all been there, where something happens, and we're like, this ain't worth it. This ain't worth it. Some of you are probably like, this is my children right there. This, this ain't worth it. We should have left them at the hospital. As Winston Churchill once said, if you're going through hell, keep on going. Never, never, never give up. We all understand this principle. Tough times are going to come. But can I tell you, don't give up on your marriage. Give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your children. Don't, don't give up on your church. Never compromise, but do not give up. There will be times in our journey of faith that we will encounter the storm, times of uncertainty, things we can't understand. Don't give up, don't abandon ship, run to Jesus and keep on going. I said, number one, if you're going to move forward by faith, you need to get on the boat. Number two, number two, I'll say it two different ways for you. One is never judge today's storm by yesterday's sea. I'll say it this way because it's a little easier for me. You must never judge today's plans on yesterday's performance. You must never judge today's plans on yesterday's performance. And this is just my opinion, but I believe one of the greatest dangers that Christians will face is the thought that they can stay on the mountain. You can't. You can't. Uh, every married couple knows what I mean. You love your spouse. You understand what I mean when I say that. But the honeymoon phase is a honeymoon phase. There's, there's a time that the honeymoon phase ends and marriage starts happening. Do you understand what I mean? For anybody that's like, oh, marriage is e it's not easy. I, maybe it is for you. You ask my wife, it is not easy living with me. Okay, I'm just telling you that right now. 
The mountain is a wonderful place to be. It is a picture of achievement, a picture of victory. We should certainly strive for that. We should desire that. But as the old saying used to go, what comes up? What is it? Must come down. You see, we all have good days. We all have bad days. And if we were to consider marriage, I'm sure there are many, time, many in this room who have had good days and bad days, but we should not allow the bad days to ruin future good days, nor do we allow the past good days to be ruined by present bad days. I know this is very deep, but today is not yesterday, and yesterday is not today. There are days I, I go home from work, and the traffic is just great. And then there are some days I go home from work, and I'm sitting in traffic, <clears throat> and um, I want to kill every, I've got road rage, just so you know. i got road rage. And it's just like, you're just frustrated. I mean, yesterday, it took me 15 minutes to get home. Today, it's an hour. You understand what I mean? But what am I doing? I'm, I'm basing what is happening now on something that happened yesterday. You see, we cannot allow the possibility of what could be bad to rob us of what could be good. I think... I think of Peter. Peter was used on the day of Pentecost. Peter, though used by God, would not be used so great as that moment in his life again, I believe. But that didn't cause him to quit because he no longer experienced that mountain. Furthermore, Peter did not allow his past failures rob him of future success. And I think this is the key to this point. Peter was faithful. Peter was faithful. We all have moments on the mountain and we'll all have moments in the valley and sometimes we can experience those in the same day. You wake up, you're having a great day. By the end of the day, it's a miserable day. Do you understand what I mean? Uh, I'll give you a good example of this. Uh, probably about a month, maybe two ago, and uh, after we had made the decision to come down here, uh, I went to go spend some time with my parents. And uh, I walked up the stairs, and I was in their kitchen, and my mom just had that giddy expression on her face. She goes, I, we, we, got, we got to show you something. We have something for you. And so, okay, I'm like, chill out, Mom. It's fine. And um, so I get upstairs, and she goes, it's over there uh, in the cabinet. And I'm like, well, you could go get it, but, you know, fine. I'll go get it. And she's like, it's an envelope. And then I started my, my, my expression all changed. An envelope? Well, you guys shouldn't have. I thought, well, I can't, they're, they're, they're going to give us some going away money. Like, they, they did not have to do that. I mean, bless their heart. And, you know, you're trying to hide it, but this is what you're thinking in your head. You're like, okay, I'll go get the envelope. Oh, man, you know, and you're just like, so I, I go get this envelope. It's kind of a bigger envelope. And I was like, oh, a lot of money. And um, I bring it to the kitchen table, and, uh, I, I, and they're like, open it. So I open it, and I pull it out. And it was a scrapbook. And my mom's like, do you know what that is? She goes, she goes, when your dad and I didn't have any money. I'm like, where is the story going? <laughs> uh, she goes, when your dad and I didn't have any money, we made a scrapbook uh, to send to your grandparents. And they would take Polaroid pictures, and they would put it in the scrapbook, and then they would take a black marquee. It was the Instagram of yesteryear. Do you understand what I mean? And, and so I'm looking, she, she's having me look through this, this book and everything like that. And, she, and I'm like, this is really neat. This is really cool and stuff like that. And at the end, my, my, mom, my mom and dad are just like beaming, like happy. They're like, isn't that really cool? And I go, yeah. They go, do you know who that is? Now, let me just, I'm looking at the book. It's a picture of their child. Who am I supposed to assume that it is? You go, do you know who that is? And I go, 
me? And they go, no, your brother. <laughs> my brother. Who cares about my brother? <laughs> what am I trying to tell you? What I'm trying to tell you is this. You can't judge your parents' love today based on their, their love yesterday. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to tell you. God, God does not expect us to live on a spiritual high. He expects us to be faithful. The problem, any Christian, the problem for many Christians is they have replaced faith with experience. You must never judge spiritual success by what you experienced in the past. You judge spiritual success by being faithful to God in your present. I think of the Apostle Paul who said, Brethren, I count not myself apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the, the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What Paul was saying is, is that, yes, I remember the past and I've learned from it, but I'm not going to live there. He chooses to reach forth by faith and press towards the mark, meaning, God, I press, I'm going to do my best to be what you want me to be and to do what you want me to do. Though past experience might give you discernment, faith is not knowing the present. Faith is trusting in God. And the Bible says without faith, it is possible to please him. I think the past will motivate us, but it is the present that molds us. There are some in this room that just simply cannot do what they used to do. That's the reality of it. I remember several years ago, I had some uh, distinguished older people in the church that came to me, and they were bawling. And they said, I can't do what I used to do. And we could use something as simple as like going out and, and giving a gospel track. They, they, they might say, I, I can't give out as many as I used to. And it, I'm just looking at them, praying, Lord, what do I say? They're crying because they, they have earned respect. They've lived a little bit. In that moment, I just looked at them and said, are you doing what you can? See, it doesn't matter if you can't do what you used to do. The question is, are you doing what you can there's some in this room, they, they can't go out and they can't knock on 150 doors. If you knock on one door. Uh, there, there are some that can't even do that. Can you pray for somebody in your church? You see, what I'm saying is you can't judge today's plans on yesterday's performance. Things are going to change. Though wiser, you can't compete with your youth. I mean, you can't compete with your, I can't compete with my youth. I can't compete with Brother Stanley's old age, let alone my youth. But God does not expect any of that of us. What does he expect? He expects us to be faithful. He expects us to trust in him. If I could say it this way, he expects us to get on the boat, to do what we can, but only he can calm the storm. Only he can work the miracle. We just have to be faithfully obedient to him, surrender to his will, and yield to his spirit. So if we're going to move forward by faith, we've got to be on the boat. We've got to be faithful. Let me give you the last thought, and we're through. Breathe. In time, all will be revealed. 
I can't tell you when we announced that we were leaving, I can't tell you how many conversations that we had with people. Uh, many families that they just really needed to be told, breathe. It's okay. In time, all will be revealed. God does not take someone from you without giving you what you need. And furthermore, had I stayed, I'd be accursed for their children. Because I would not be doing what God wanted me to do. It's hard sometimes to see what God is doing because his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. But in time, all will be revealed. Can you imagine disciples running to Jesus? Can you imagine them running? I, 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 just, I imagine them all talking to each other and Jesus having to say, Hey, calm down. What's your problem? Well, Jesus, we know you can walk on water, but the ship's sinking. I didn't know if you knew that. God knew. Have you ever had a young person come to you and they're crying and they're trying to explain something to you and you do not know what they're saying? And you have to, breathe, calm down. What is wrong? After God had calmed the storm, they arrived at their destination and they realized why they went through everything that they went through, what that purpose was for. I'll give you the purpose, and then I'll break it down, and we'll be through tonight. The reason they went through the storm was, one, to bring God glory, two, to grow their faith, three, for the sake of the gospel. We many times will take these two different stories, and we will preach them separately. And I understand that. I'm not, there's nothing wrong with that. We will look at the storm that they encounter, and we'll preach that separately, and we will draw biblical truths from that. And then we will go to the story of the demoniac of Gadara, and we'll preach a completely different story. Do you realize these, two, these, these stories are tied together? I want you to think about this. Whether you, whether you hold to this, that's fine. But some believe that the demoniac of Gadara had been contemplating suicide. If you were to go over and you were to look at the caves that the demoniac of Gadara uh, was thrown into, the Bible also talks about him being chained in those caves. Well, he broke out somehow because we find him meeting Jesus right when he gets there. We also know that when Jesus cast out the devils from this man and they went into the swine, what did the swine immediately do? They committed suicide. Whether you hold to that or not, we do know this. Wherever this man was, the demoniac of Gadara, he was in these, this, these caves, and he could see the sea that Jesus and the disciples were on. Now, we know that as Christians, we cannot be possessed, but we can be oppressed. But if you could imagine just for a moment what it might be like for somebody to be possessed by a devil. And not just a devil, a legion of devils. The conflict that must be in their soul, never having peace. <clears throat> Can you imagine him, if you were, would, standing on, on those caves, facing the ocean, perhaps ready to commit suicide as that war inside him rages. For him to look out into the distance and to see a storm, but then in the midst of that storm, hear someone say, peace, be still. And in that moment, that storm just go away. 
like the sea he could see in the distance. Within him was a raging storm, a storm only God could deliver him from. And just like the disciples, as he got to that shore, as he met Jesus and called upon his name, it was like Jesus rebuking that wind. Peace, be still. And in that moment, the demoniac became the delivered. Clothed and in his right mind. The city couldn't even believe it. Seeing this, I, I don't believe the disciples regretted for one moment that they got on that boat. Seeing the miracle that Jesus worked in that man's life, I don't think they regretted one moment going through that storm. I don't think they regretted the fact that the sea that day wasn't like it was yesterday, though the storms they had to endure. I wonder, perhaps all of that, Jesus might have asked, what do you want to do now? What do you want to do now? Perhaps they would say, let's go forward. Let's go forward. We don't know why we have to go through certain things in life, but I do know this. I do know it's for the glory of God. I do know it's for our own growth spiritually, but I also know it's for the sake of the gospel. So I'll close with this tonight. Church, no matter how you may feel in this moment with all the transitions that are going on, remember this. The only limit to our realization of tomorrow will be our doubts of today. So let's move forward with strong and active faith. Let's all stand and we'll be dismissed.